The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily represent the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. You know, I've been riding the airlines a lot lately. And, uh, Poor soul. Sorry. sorry I know. I know. You know, and ironically, I've discovered that I like Southwest the best. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Duh. Um, because yeah. Southwest makes no bones about the fact that they're no frills, all right? Right. And they do no frills really well, all right? That's mm-hmm. the thing. And what, the first they time, are fun to fly. And they are kind of fun. And they're, and they're you know, they kind of always goof around during the safety announcements, which is borderline. But it seems to be a good safety announcement. But they had fun with it, too. And, uh, you know, and they make different. It's just interesting. They do a good job. And... As they point out very, very vocally in their ads, they don't. They have. They are not one of the airlines that has started to charge you for every little thing mm-hmm. in the cab. Right. All right. I recently flew a couple of other non-Southwest airlines where I was uh, was exposed to this whole thing about how you're now getting charged for pillows and you're getting charged for you know anything more than a diet coke. You know, and I mean you're just getting charged left and right, which is was was in fact genuinely disturbing. Um, but. Uh, you know, they started charging me for my first and second bags, check bags, that is, you know, all that kind of stuff. But here here it is taken to the ultimate, okay? This is, and you know, if the Chinese are doing this, it's just a matter of time before, uh, when, <laughs> when the time comes, when the time comes for the aircraft to push back from the gate, the, I guess probably, you know, the people in certain selected seats are going to have to get out and actually physically push the airplane <laughs> you know, you know the guy that used to run Eastern Airlines actually tried this back in the eighties. No, no, wait a minute. I, so, <laughs> uh, at, at National Airport. This is a story from I don't know what it's from. It's from a website called FunnyNewsStories.org. So we'll take it all with a grain of salt. But uh, 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 after a slightly rocky landing at Zhengzhou Airport, both the flight crew and passengers of a flight from Gulin were amazed to see the aircraft being pushed off the runway whilst they were still on board. Uh, apparently, the uh, uh, aircraft uh, airline workers came out to actually push us a picture here that shows that's just like me in my 152. <laughs> 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 yeah, but it only takes people, one of you with the 152. You think if they got enough people, they could push down on the tail and spin, well, lift the nose wheel off the ground so that they'd. Uh, spin each it each year at Dallas Airport, there's an open house, and each year. Um, there's a group of, of there's a, 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 there's GA. a contest, yeah. Well, there's, there's a plane pool contest. Oh, and yeah. In, in years past, it's been a, se- a 727. I don't know what it is now, 737, I guess. Uh, and teams compete um, against each other, I, I presume, to see um, how quickly they can pull at a certain distance. Uh, I've I've never pers- uh, participated in that. It's it, the the uh, uh, it, it's a charity thing and and uh, uh, apparently very lucrative and very popular. I've I've never done it. I've heard lots about it. But uh, I got to see it uh, one year. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, it's like watching these, you, like watching a tug of war with a with a railroad locomotive. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and you look at it, and when they get it rolling, there's a half a second there where it breaks, rope gets slightly taut, and everybody digs in and pulls even harder now that they've got it rolling. Uh-huh. And you're going, oh man, I hope this never catches on. Really, really. But my favorite well, yeah. quote, my favorite quote from the story that uh, that Jack is going to link. Was close to the end. One of the airport workers remarked, "Thank God it was only a twenty-ton medium-sized airplane. If it had been a big plane, it would have knocked us out." Close quote. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and there's always you know the story uh, that comes across the news. You know, seems like quarterly or monthly. You know, some guy in you know East Jabib who just made the Guinness World Records by, you know, pulling, uh, I don't know, a, 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 you know, a 100-car freight train with his little finger or something, or, or some other appendage. Um, <laughs> I doubt it. I seriously yeah. doubt it. Go ahead. Well, uh, but, but it's, it's, it's all of a piece. Now, but I'm, I'm unclear. You know, after a slightly rocky landing. Um, yeah. What, what precipitated what, the what, need for yeah. a push? Yeah, what kind of rocky landing are we talking about here? We're talking about running out of fuel, and they, they don't have the juice to taxi to the hangar? I, what, what are we talking dual, about here? Dual flame outs? Uh, did they know. strip the gears, blow the clutch? Uh, we don't really find that here. I think it's a cost-cutting measure myself. <laughs> well, actually, China actually, has all, But China I've, has all I've, the money, so... Yeah. So well, actually, they, and I've seen uh, uh, what's the guy's name, Clyde Morris, uh, yeah. aviation's own flying ant, uh, talk about airline management scenarios that don't look all that different than what we see in this photograph. Well, see, airline management scenario is an oxymoron. Ah, uh, there we go again. And we'll so, keep doing it until morale improves. So I fully expect I fully expect one of my upcoming uh, uh, airline trips is going to involve uh, the following scenario: um, the captain will come on the intercom and say, "Ladies and gentlemen, we've been cleared to uh, land at the uh, destination airport. We've been instructed to make a left turn. Would everybody on the right side of the airplane please get up and move to the left side of the airplane?" That's right. And, That's right. So. Anyways, hey, welcome, um. folks, to episode 103 of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. We're recording this episode on uh, Thursday evening. Wait a second, we're recording this episode? On Thursday oh. evening, October 9th, 2000. Nobody tells me anything. You know, I thought you were going to warn us. Me, oh, well. And let me say hi to all, uh, let me say hi to my smart aleck friends here in the virtual hangar. Uh, one of those voices is Jeb Burnside talking to us from Sarasota, Florida. Hi, Jeb, how you doing? Smart aleck friend doesn't narrow it down a whole lot, does it? <laughs> Hi, Jack. Hi, how you, doing, how you doing? Everybody happy and, and uh, glad it's Thursday? So One more day. Oh, for man. Doing fall in, in, uh, in, Florida, in beautiful Florida, huh? Well, have you, you passed know, your anniversary yet? When did you move down there? It's just yeah, about now. Labor Day. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on 13th month here. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, so well, actually, fourteenth month. Yeah, I've passed my anniversary. Actually, today was not um, uh, that pleasant. Today oh, it was. Here we go. You know, eighty, eighty-five, kind of humid. It was, you know, actually hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Here it is, October. Yeah. But there was, you know, some white puffies and and uh, in the sky and and you know, a good breeze 
but uh, still, it's. Uh, I know. I know. Dave had some some uh, WX to get through on his way home earlier this week. So right. Right. it was uh, still sitting there this morning. Yeah, was it? Yeah, it was. It was still sitting there this morning. Turned on the weather channel. Go ahead, Jack. That's my other smart Alec friend, Dave Higdon, uh, who is talking to us from. You're back home now in Wichita, right? Wichita, Kansas. Back home in Wichita, sitting in the corner office with the window view, looking out on the world. We, we made uh, sort of a half-hearted attempt to to record an episode of the pod. So. Dave, you went to MBAA uh, this, earlier this week, right? Yeah, went over the weekend and we're going to talk about back that in a little bit. And yeah. Dev, you didn't go to NBAA. I did year. not. I uh, and I never got uh, to go to NBAA. Yeah, you so, never uh, get to go. I, I, I could have gone, but I had to work. <laughs> you know, so it was like, yeah, you know, I'd really rather just kind of walk around. So I didn't go. Yeah, but uh, Dave, you're back home. So we're going to talk about the show in just a minute, Dave. But how was the trip? How was the flying out and back? Did you have some fun? Oh, it was lovely, uh, you know, going down. Uh, you didn't fly airlines, flight. right? Or did you? No, no. Went down in a uh, very lovely uh, adaptation of a Malibu called a JetProp DLX. Mm. That's Delta Lima X-Ray. Uh, you can look it up in the net. JetProp LLC does it. They take a Malibu or Mirage uh, um, Piper airframe and remove the six-cylinder dual-turbocharged engine and put back a new motor mount and a new cowl with a uh, Pratt & Whitney PT-6 inside. Mm -hmm. And it uh, has a dramatic effect on the airplane. Uh, rather than being a, uh. Uh, a fight to 25,000 feet uh, and about a 215-knot cruise speed, uh, even with pressurization, it can be kind of an ear popper to 260, 270, and then level out and be seeing 260 knots true. Mm -hmm. Now, did you and get to log some this time, or are you just along for the ride? Second in command time. Uh -huh. uh, twisted knobs, push buttons. That's pretty sick. Yeah. twenty About 24 gallons an hour at level cruise. But how fast does it go? Uh, well, 200... We, we were truing in the 260 knot range. Mm. Well, and, the fuel. Uh, I'm sorry. Was the fuel burn? About 24 gallons an hour. That's not bad at altitude. At altitude, yeah. Mm. yeah. And uh, lots of power in reserve. There's a. It's a flat rated engine mm -hmm. and uh, 550 shaft horsepower in that configuration. Uh, my only complaint, and, and it's got weather data link, big KMD 550 multifunction display, active anti-collision system, uh, high-end storm scope that's gyro-stabilized. Uh, 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 unlike the passenger. Unlike the passenger, and at times the pilot. But that's another story. And uh, going down, it was like uh, it, storm scope was in standby, and the weather data link showed that we lifted off out of uh, Alpha Alpha Oscar uh, about 40 minutes ahead of when weather was going to start creeping into our our neighborhood, and uh, we just watched it, you know, get farther and farther behind us on the uh, <laughs> on the data link. And coming back, uh, we were looking at the picture while we were still on the ground at Kissimmee, and it was a uh, well. This will be interesting when we get there. Uh, at one point, we should have been pulling about a 318-degree heading. Uh, we were headed to Little Rock for fuel. And uh, we were a full 60 to 70 degrees mm -hmm. left of heading. Yeah, really? got eat. Yeah, you got you got Brownsville dialed in or something, and you're trying to go to Little Rock. That's not good. 
and uh, mm-hmm. you know the uh, the cells we pretty much were able to uh, to tuck ourselves between the level four level five cells uh, some of them which were visible at times as we popped in and out of some hazy layer uh, and other times uh, it was like trust the hazy layer because the storm scope shows that it's to the left and right on that heading uh, really nice demonstration of technology what you can do with that weather radar uh, the the just extreme capability of just those two little pieces of technology put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was marvelous. Uh, and if we could have uh, if we could have gotten a little better winds going back, we could have gone actually nonstop going back. Mm-hmm. But we landed at Little Rock with just a skosh more than what fuel we needed to actually get to Wichita. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, we're talking single digits remaining. And in a in an engine that burns somewhere in the neighborhood of forty five an hour. Well, uh, before before someone yeah. before someone calls the FAA hotline, what do you mean by single digits? Uh, ten nine, nine eight nine gallons. It wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't supply power for a go. You came around. up you came up well short and landed at Little Rock when the totalizer was saying you would have been in single digits had you gone on to Wichita. E- exactly. Thank you. Yeah, that's. I thought that's what he said. Yeah, well, yeah we I had a little. We needed. Uh, we needed about fifty more to get to Wichita, and we landed with about fifty-two or fifty-three. Uh, and it, it's as it worked out, the winds got better uh, between Little Rock and Wichita, and we actually burned probably five or six gallons less than we. And there was no way in hell that even CAVU we were going to go into there with anything less than 45 minutes of mm-hmm. oh yeah. 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 yeah yeah well i'm jealous sounds like it was fun oh and the show was uh, let's come back to the show hang on okay sure sure sorry and i am jack hodgson dun, 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 dun. and up here our jack h ucap world headquarters in dover new hampshire and uh we're where it may not be florida fall but it's beautiful new england fall i bet it is i bet it is all turning great colors the weather's been nice the last few days i've been out you know walking around i mean i'm sort of on vacation this week in between trips and uh, so i've just been kicking around and having a good time and um just just walking around and enjoying my little my little town here so uh so that's what's going on up here so David, now you can talk about MBAA. So, uh, so it must have been an interesting experience. It must have been kind of an interesting vibe to be in the at the heart of business aviation at a time when business is so weird right now. Uh, you, you know, pretty much anywhere you turned on the convention hall floor, uh, where it wasn't an exhibit stand display, television display, what, what was being shown was uh, news about the financial crisis. Yeah. Uh, somewhat muted atmosphere. Uh, of course, a lot of people with their minds on a lot of things. Uh, a percept, uh, maybe a perception, but I don't think so. But the crowd on the floor did not seem to correspond to a lot of us to the numbers we were hearing mm-hmm. in terms of uh, uh, attendance. Okay, okay. So I'm sorry. It seemed smaller or bigger? Smaller, uh-huh. smaller. Uh, last year running approximately the same numbers in Atlanta, the year before in this same hall, running uh, just about the same numbers. Yep. Mm-hmm. The place was no, last, in last, house last, on opening day. Last year we were not in Atlanta. I mean, we were not in Orlando. We were in Atlanta. In Atlanta, right. Yeah. And that was a split hall. 
yeah. which is and apparently that's where we're going again next year. Yeah, hurrah! But there were no huge sales order announcements. Well, that's mm-hmm. not a big surprise. They can't keep adding backlog at the rate they added last year forever. Can't happen. Uh, no big down news. Uh, the folks that are reviving Adam Aircraft were there. Uh, the folks from Eclipse were there. Big display, fewer people. Uh, even had the single in in the stand there in the exhibit hall, mm-hmm. which struck me as interesting because I wasn't for sure that they'd planned on continuing with that expenditure. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, talk floating around about uh, finance money with which to buy pre-owned aircraft is starting to tighten up. Yeah which raises a ripple effect concern among some about how that will affect the potential value of aircraft that expect to be taken in on trade on new airplanes that are already on order. Yeah. So you You can see where this starts to, and this is on top of a climate where business flying is already down, like general flying, GA flying in general, business flying is already down about 20% for the year compared to usual. Mm -hmm. Uh, saw the lowest jet A fuels I've seen in a long time, and then saw them even lower at Little Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw 100 low lead prices pretty low in uh, Kissimmee, and not all that noteworthy low in Little Rock. So, uh, crowd was good. Some new programs announced. You can read about that stuff on any number of you know news uh, magazines that covered it. Uh, but it it was a little bit unsettling to see things so muted. People were always genuinely glad to see one another, and it was you know it was not a a depressed environment. But it was a lot less boisterous than what I've come to to, to uh, see. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so this was this past week. So this is these are the these are the days where we've been going down multiple hundred points on the Dow every day. So clearly, yeah, yeah. people who pay a lot of attention to business are 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 kind of watching that with. You know, well, there's there's some difference in the there's some difference in the sensitivity here too, because some of the businesses that had big representation there at NBAA are uh, not dependent on the North American market for even half their business. Well, exactly, exactly. You look at a lot of the um, big um, fleet. Announcements, fleet purchase announcements in recent years, and sure, the lion's share of them have have gone to North American operators, but an increasing percentage, an increasing number, and and most importantly, an increasing dollar amount has gone overseas, Middle East, India, Asia, uh, Europe, of course, and and even Russia. Um, the the market for these aircraft is is no longer just you know North American companies. It's always been an international market. Don't misunderstand. Yeah. But um, the, the shares, the overseas uh, share of of uh, purchases has has drastically or sharply increased over the last few years. Um, and if there's anything that's going to save. Uh, the industry as we head into these downtimes, uh, it's it's going to be that that um, multinational uh, international flavor. Um, 
But but this whole this whole economic downturn is pretty international, isn't it? I mean, it's not well, like it's becoming it's so. Coming it's becoming so. so. Yeah. There, there. You know, I haven't heard a whole lot of angst out of India. Okay, uh-huh. uh, China. I, uh, I haven't heard any any angst out of China. You're uh, Russia. Uh, Europe, of course. Uh, Russia is starting to feel some squeeze. Yes, they uh, are. Europe, of course, is starting to feel some squeeze. Japan has been feeling some squeeze. Um, China has all the money, so, you know, what What do they worry? Um, I, you know, I, I, as far as um, prices going down, yeah, they are going down um, because there's a lot of, of product on the market. Uh, it's... it's uh, Jack and, and Dave know this, and I'll tell the listeners, I'm trying to buy a house down here. And there's plenty of houses. There might not be enough houses. There might not be, you know, exactly what you want, and location is, is always the key. Um, getting, finding a house you want to buy is not a problem. Getting financing for it, um, and I've got a reasonably good credit rating. <clears throat> um, in the past, I've, you know, sauntered up, say, I need a, I need a loan to buy a house, and Okay, sure. How much you need, and, and tell them. And okay, you know, call us back in a few weeks when you get ready to close, and we'll have it. We'll have the paperwork. And it ain't like that no more, folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and when you have aircraft finance outfits that are uh, yeah. starting to to relay the word through their network of preferred brokers, these are the out the these are the companies, dealers, and brokers that regularly bring them you know dozens of deals a year. Right. And, and, and starts to spread the word that, you know, we're going to start enforcing a model year cutoff here. Mm-hmm. So getting back to MBAA, Dave, so you sort of alluded to some of the stories that were going on there. Why don't you give it, I mean, and we certainly can go and read about them elsewhere, but give us a hint. What were some of the, what were the stories this time at MBAA? Well, let's see. Gulfstream launched a new, uh, a new uh, large, as they call it, mid-cabin jet, mid-size jet called uh, called, I'm sorry, a, you broke up there. You called what? The G250. G250. Thank you. And uh, it's got a new version of a high-tech panel that's a partnership of Gulfstream and Rockwell Collins. They call it Plainview. Uh, and got about a 20-minute introduction to how that functions from uh, one of the people from Gulfstream. And it's one of the slicker things that I've seen on a corporate flight deck in a while. Hmm. Uh, Cicada adding to its fleet, which is right now primarily the TBM 850, that it, it's uh, selling quite well. Uh, big horsepower Pratt & Whitney turboprop Garmin G1000 panel uh, goes fast, uh, fairly roomy in the back, and uh, they're adding a twin to the line and now appears. So that's some, that's something we haven't seen done since the Atom A500. Uh, speaking of the Atom aircraft, uh, the Russians that are behind the uh, the uh, uh, re-establishment of the Atom aircraft A700 product development process, uh, they were there. Uh, their leader, the company is called AAI Acquisitions Inc. Adam Aircraft Industries Acquisitions Inc. But okay. the lawyers didn't want AAI used as real name. Uh, but the leader is an old friend of ours who uh, once was the president of Cessna and later the president of Sino. I'm sorry, president of Beach. Slap myself. President of Beach and then uh, Sino Swearingen down in San Antonio. His name's Jack Brawley. And they've got a couple of hundred people back at work now, 
and expect uh, in a few more weeks to have 300 back at work. This is predominantly money from old, from new Russian business people, and uh, the new capitalist class has grown up there. So mm-hmm. that seemed to be encouraging. Uh, the folks from uh, Eclipse were there, emphasizing that they're right now devoting all their efforts into getting the product line right and putting the company on a profitable footing, which to me may be – would, it would be easy for me to take that as code that we could see some further cutbacks there. Yeah, I would think. Uh, saw a number of EA500s uh, or EC50s, as, as you got to put on the flight plan, yeah. uh, on the ramp at, uh, at uh, Kissimmee Jet Service. At ISM in Florida, uh-huh. uh, and, and one hack actually took off just ahead of us, headed in the same general direction. So we heard him on the frequency a few times after that. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, not not a lot of great big stuff. Harrison Ford was there, uh, with in partnership with Cessna. He's uh, kind of going to be a uh, a figure involved in the upcoming Special Olympics airlift. Uh, that'll happen next year. Mm-hmm. And Cessna wants to recruit 300 of its Citation customers to volunteer their aircraft to bring Special Olympic athletes to the competition site and take them home again. Yeah. Hmm. Not not asking you to, to violate any confidences, but you, you obviously have a lot of friends in the industry. What, what's the buzz about you know how they're planning to weather this, this whole climate? I mean, it, it seems like right now... Uh, about the backlog okay uh a lot of the backlog is uh a lot of the backlog is not built into the production line yet because they're still they've still been building up to handle the rates they need to make these airplanes go out of the promised dates uh-huh. yeah there, there's been some acceleration if you will in some of the production lines i think that's going to stop and probably go the other way because Order deferrals, not talking necessarily about a lot of outright cancellations, although that certainly wouldn't be surprising. But deferrals, rescheduling of delivery dates, a continued commitment to buy the airplane uh, means that the backlog will stretch out, still keep lots of people employed. Right. There's still new programs in the pipeline that can absorb people that may not be needed for the lower production rates elsewhere. For example, Cessna's got its Columbus large cabin jet uh, in the uh, development program there, except they're planning on having a significant amount of that built by Spirit Aero Systems here in Wichita. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, it's it's uh, there's a lot of people holding their breath right now that the worst thing that's going to happen is going to be a lot of deferrals and a few cancellations, and what should take four to five years to absorb will take no more than six to seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes the landing really <clears throat> soft. That means that annual output doesn't uh, uh, doesn't attrit much. It doesn't fall dramatically. It eases down. I mean, we developed, we delivered about twelve hundred business jets last year, and it was the first year we went over a thousand. And this year, it's looking like it's going to be more than fourteen hundred, and possibly fifteen hundred next year barring any big changes in the current production plans. Mm-hmm. And then it's supposed to ebb off to back to 1,213. Well, even if you take a 20% hit on that, it's still a 1,000 airplanes a year. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I think they're going to take a little bit more than twenty percent before this is over with. Yeah. Uh, well, it, they could, but it all depends on how it's structured. That's the thing. If they took a twenty percent hit in pure cancellations, yeah, uh, yeah, there'd be guys jumping off hangar roofs. But I don't see that happening primarily because of the nature of the market for most of these airplanes. In what the nature way? of the market being business operators where they're flying around level of people where it's still safer, easier, uh, in a in a, uh, a time-use way, as cost-effective as putting them on somebody's airliner. Uh, but, of course, we're already seeing some of that take a hit now, primarily because of fuel price. Right. Other economic weaknesses will do that, but it won't eliminate their need to keep the airplane, maybe just how much they use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So how do the how do these order books work? Is is it similar to the way people are buying you know, eclipses and whatnot, where they make a, a deposit in order to get on the list, and then they don't have to pay anything more until they take delivery on the airplane? Is that how it works? Not quite, but it starts out about the same way. Uh huh. Okay. What I'm yeah. getting at here is that it seems, and I'm I'm no business guy or economist, but it appears from watching the TV that a big part of the crisis that's going on right now is that people can't that businesses can't borrow the money that they need to do what they need to do and and so the the folks that have ordered these aircraft um and don't expect to get them delivered for a year or two anyways don't need to borrow money right now right they don't that's need to, right they that's don't, correct they don't need to borrow money for well, a couple of years down the line and knock on wood cross our fingers um it, it, this the synopsis is a little more complicated than that. Yeah, so we'll it play it out this way, and let's just deal with an aircraft that's already certificated and in production. Okay. You know, and the local, you know, the local marketing guy brings one by. You do your two-hour demo flight. You go someplace for lunch. You spend part of the time in the left seat, part of the time in the back cabin. You come back over dinner that night. You sign the contract and you give the guy the deposit. We now have a firm order. And the deposit would be in the range of what? Uh, probably in the neighborhood of 10% of the price of the airplane okay. to 20%, depending on the deal that you're after okay. and whether they're going to do the financing. All right. But then there are going to be progress payments as the as your unit hits certain steps down the line. I see. Okay, when they start pay, building it, there will probably be... There will there'll be a reconfirmation time come where you'll sign the contract yet again and pony up more money that will convince them that you're serious enough to go ahead and build your airplane. And then when they start building your airplane, there's usually a progress payment that's due. Uh, and I can't give you percentages on these. I've never no, been okay. close Just... enough to know. But there's a progress payment there. And then when the airplane rolls off the line and goes through production flight test acceptance, uh, there may be a little tickle there. That's about the time that you need to send your crew to town or yourself to town for the flight safety transition training of whatever it is or the simulator transition training that you're buying. And at the end of that, then there'll be a uh, uh, an acceptance flight. And realistically, the acceptance flight should be long and arduous and very detailed. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to go out and you're going to fly the airplane through its profile. You're going to do instrument and WASP, GPS approaches, NEL PV, VNAV approaches. You're going to work all the radios. You're going to cycle the gear. You're going to hit a couple of different airports. And you're going to come back. You're going to do air work with it, stalls, steep turns. You're going to make sure that, yeah, you know they're telling the truth. You know they are. But if you hire somebody to do an acceptance flight, that's what they're going to do for you. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. you get back on the ground. You sign the last pieces of paper, you get the warranty book, you hand them a check and get the keys. Uh, you now own an airplane. Mm-hmm. Get your picture taken. 
Oh yeah, usually, and uh, uh, you know, uh, if they're smart, sent off with a full tank of gas. But that's not always the case. <laughs> yeah. So, and and so, if you wanted to defer, if you suddenly decided that you weren't quite ready for whatever reason to take to, you know, you wanted to push it out a little bit, do you just you just put off those? those progress payments or you either contact them when you make that decision or when the next progress point comes along you say you look you know guys uh and i really need to push this out a year Mm -hmm. and what's it going to cost me to delay a year Mm -hmm. because they're not going to say oh sure sure you know we'll check with you in in 12 months and see if you're ready no, they've, they've got some things going on here, and they need some earnest money mm-hmm. to make sure that you're not getting ready to pull the plug entirely. Right. So there's going to be some kind of PA there, unless what you want to do is trade delivery positions with somebody that's later. Right. If you want to trade delivery positions, there's uh, there may be a little money to change hands, but generally that's between the position holders. Ah. So these positions are all transferable, huh? You can... Well... The OEMs will sometimes argue with you about that. I see. Uh, they're not wild about that because uh, actually there's quite a secondary market in selling delivery positions that the OEMs haven't been able to really control. Mm-hmm. And the reason they haven't been able to really control it is because a significant percentage of their sales go to brokers who are buying the airplane on spec. Right. They're not even going to specify an interior. Yeah. Chances are until they have a buyer themselves or until the last possible minute to keep the airplane in the firing order. Well, if you don't want to sell to those people, you know, you would have to say no dealers, no brokers. What did you do? Kick the plug out? Something like that. I don't know. Where's Dave here? Uh, where's Dave? Here he is. Now everybody's back. Yeah, that was pretty weird. On my end, what happened was um, Skype suddenly hung up on both of you and then crashed. And uh, uh-huh. I don't know yeah, because you first. you went away on the icon thing. Yeah, I don't know which yeah. happened first. You went dark. Yeah, but uh, anyways, where were we? You were talking about Spectrum and and why don't you kind of start yeah. that? Oh yeah, real quick. Again. They just said they're doing well enough that they didn't really feel the need to come. They wanted to focus on making progress and and. Uh, and I couldn't help but wonder whether, in the back of their mind, they they weren't seeing things coming down the pipe. So, yeah, good. Um, well, you know, carrying that thought, you know, further, um, you know, it, it seems that everyone's making progress. Looks like, you know, I understand even uh, Vern Rayburn was there. He's got a beard, and and uh, he was he was uh, mixing it up with some of the uh, uh, the Eclipse people and, and this kind of thing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't expect anything different than that. Um, but the flip side of, uh, you know, there's certainly some some anxiety there, and and people are kind of, I'm sure, wandering around asking, you know, well, is this? Have we seen the peak for the time being? Uh, and you know, hustling over in a corner with their buddy, saying, you know, what have you heard? What what do you hear? You still got a job, and and, and this kind of stuff. Um, you know, been there, done that. Have the T-shirt. Um, clearly, the the business aviation industry offers a series of great products, products that are in demand, are going to continue to be in demand. Um, equally clear, the business aircraft industry is is uh, 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 cyclical, just like any other industry. 
and they are they're subject to these these boom and bust cycles, uh, perhaps uh, uh, more so in the past uh, than they are now. And I I wonder uh, as I'm I'm kind of sitting here listening to Dave. I think back of of some of the the boom and bust cycles that I've been uh, privy to and and participant in, or or at least an observer of, and uh, I kind of wonder if maybe um, things have changed since, say, the 80s, Uh, uh, and and I think about what those things might be that have changed, and I think about um, the airlines. And I think about deregulation, and I think about how it's it's just utter chaotic pain to get on an airliner these days. Mm. And you know, it's 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 like a box of chocolates. You don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> okay. Um, Boy, and that's you're, the truth. You're you're gonna. Um, Go if you have any kind of a, a change of plane or a hub uh, that you have to go through. Uh, if there's any kind of weather, uh, if it's the wrong time of day, if the sun isn't aligned with with Mars, and if Aquarius isn't in the fifth house or something, um, you're not going to get there today. Mm-hmm. And to a lot of people, uh, an increasing number of people. That's simply not acceptable in the year 2008. We should have figured this out, this crap out a long time ago. So whether it's a Gulfstream, a Learjet, an Eclipse, um, uh, a Cirrus, uh, or, or uh, even an LSA, somewhere in there is an aircraft, I think, that can be used for, for legitimate not not legitimate is the wrong word that can be efficiently and effectively and economically used for personal and business transportation it's just a matter of finding the right mix and the right mission um, and I think um, that a lot of people have come to that realization uh, I don't I, I, I want to think that the the valley this time around isn't going to be as as, as deep and as wide as some of the industry's other valleys in the past. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of sort of what I'm hearing Dave report. And if it is, in fact, the case, you got to blame it on the airlines and you got to blame it on, on the federal government and, and, and the TSA uh, automatons that we'll get to in a moment. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to Ron Crash uh, and the airlines and, and pretty soon. Just, uh. Just, uh, uh, just the way the whole uh, uh, chessboard has changed here over the last... Uh, uh, 10, 15 years. Um, not all of it has to do with, with terrorism and security. Not all of it has to do with uh, um, price of fuel. Not all of it has to do with uh, uh, deregulation. But all of those factors uh, uh, come into the mix. And all of those factors combine, conspire, if you will, uh, against the airlines. Over the past few years, we've been pleased to have uh, the uh, president of the NBAA uh, join us here in the virtual hangar uh, at Bolin. And uh, we were in touch with him uh, this year, and he wanted to come on. He still does want to come on, but we haven't been able to schedule it. He's kind of a busy guy right now. And uh, so uh, we're, we're optimistic that sometime in the next couple of weeks, uh, Ed Bolin will join us at least for a few minutes and give us yeah. his perspective on both the, uh, the recent expo and also uh, the economy in general and other stuff, which we'll also come back. We're... We're saving the best for last here. Um, 
But uh, as, <laughs> as they say, moving on here. Um, here's a little item that uh, actually got po- postponed from last week, um, and that is uh, uh, any new information about the uh, the Skycatcher, the uh, the Cessna LSA uh, uh, crash, the crash of one of their prototypes uh, a few weeks back. And uh, I, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to bone up on this. Um, you know, the note we have here from last, the, they were reporting that, they, that apparently the crash was the result of a test that was sort of an extracurricular test, if you will, uh, a test that they don't normally have to put the aircraft through and uh, a somewhat extreme situation that the aircraft couldn't recover from. Is that a fair description of well, the situation? It, it, if, it, if they were going for FAA certification of this airframe, I believe that they would have to put it through this type of um, maneuver. But this is, they're going for LSA um, approval, I guess is the correct term. Um, and um, the ASTM standard uh, does not require this particular maneuver. And this particular maneuver, according to the spokesman, Doug Oliver, is a flat spin. Right. Uh, and uh, I, I get the impression. Uh, although I have nothing to, on which to base it, I get the impression that they've done flat spins in the airplane before. Mm-hmm. Now, one um, thing, but it, this it, this one for some reason they the 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 pilot couldn't couldn't recover from it. Right, and then and then another bit of information that's interesting that came out of this is that the aircraft was apparently equipped with a, a parachute, which yeah. the pilot tried to deploy and it didn't work or didn't open uh-huh. or didn't deploy or didn't something. And uh, and as a result, that's when he decided to bail out with his personal parachute. Um, yeah, the 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 Avweb story we're looking at here um, uh, quotes Larry Williams, the BR, BRS CEO, uh, telling Avweb that it was too early to determine exactly why the shoot didn't work. Quote: It looks to me that the parameters were pretty exceptional. Uh, it was an, an unusual situation. Um, yeah, kind of, sort of, maybe. Um, but you know, this is this is uh, a flight test program. This is a, a prototype. Not, I'm sure not only of the airplane, not just of the airplane, but perhaps of the uh, the parachute installation too. So I, I don't get a, I don't get worked up about um, losing an airframe in in flight test. I, I would get worked up about losing an, uh, a human, and we didn't. That did not happen this time. Um, but that's why they do flight tests, so we don't have to lose lose aircraft uh, uh, after they're in production. Yeah, it just seems like the smart thing to do. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and that Abweb story is actually almost two weeks old. Um, I, was so, say, I, was, yeah. I wanted to point yeah. that out before we left it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, they know a lot I'll, more. They've they've done they've made some changes to the uh, production. Yeah, what's the buzz you're hearing uh, in production Wichita, conformal examples that they are still flying, uh, based on some things I guess that they found on the airplane they fetched out of the tree because the uh, this was the <laughs> this I like it. Yeah. Well, that's where. It, <laughs> no, that's really, where they found they, it. Oh, I thought that was some sort of great idiom. idiom. No, dude, it, dude, where's my airplane? Oh, it's over that's the where tree. the airplane came down. Oh yeah, came down in a tree. Okay. What do you mean that? Oh, okay, so uh, I'm sorry we interrupted you. So they they learned some stuff from the airplane. Well, the uh, the, the airplane wasn't totaled apparently by the accident, and because of the uh, uh, encounter with the tree, so uh, you know they were able to uh, I, I, I guess the decide the tree, that but the they wanted right. to improve on the design a little bit. Uh huh. Yeah. 
Well, that sounds good. Programs are for. That's what the programs are for. They're not supposed to crash, but they are supposed to learn from whatever it is that does happen. So I guess that's good. Um, What's next here? Jeb, you pointed us to this uh, air traffic. You call it a simulation. I would call it more of a, I don't know what, a rendering or something like that. This is a... Uh, yeah, it was It was billed to me as a simulation. I don't know what, exactly what it was. Uh, it's it's There's a, a, a YouTube video, um, the um, um, authors of which purport it to be a simulation or a representation, perhaps is a better word, uh, worldwide air traffic. Yeah. Uh, over a 24-hour period. And what you see on this is a, is a map of the world, a flat uh, projection uh, display here, and a bunch of swarming little yellow dots. You see the... Swarming is definitely the, the word that came to my mind, too, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, and you see the, the day-night uh, uh, demarcations kind of go floating by uh, as this. The whole thing's like a minute, 15 seconds. It's it's not very lengthy, but it's it's just incredible to watch the the flow of traffic from North America to Europe and then, you know, going left to right. And then later in the video, it just reverses itself and goes right to left. Yeah. And, and, of course, North America itself is just a splotch of, of yellow dots and, and same with Europe. Now, that all that having been said, the rest of the world is, except for Asia, um, uh, basically not that not so much. Um, there's there's some there's some interesting activity between uh, um, the west coast of Africa and uh, the east coast. I, I don't know. I guess Brazil, um, like the Rio area or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it, and um, uh, the the Pacific Rim, uh, North Pacific between uh, uh, Washington State and Alaska along the Canadian coast there, and then uh, yeah, and then the Westpac, uh, say. Uh, um, that, that's an amazing piece of uh, video. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's cute. It's it's not like a uh, a flight explorer presentation, for example, where you see the the data tags or, or things like that, or flight aware, even for that matter. Uh, it's it's just a very uh, a small screen, but it's trying to show the whole world at the same time. It's 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 kind of cute. It's just uh, uh, one more data. Point. Well, to, to to my to my eye, it was even more impressive than something like Flight Explorer mm-hmm. or Flight Aware, in that you could see the ebb and flow mm-hmm. of transponder traffic across the entire face of the globe in a 24-hour period, and the uh, the the high density routes, as you mentioned, North Europe and North America, uh, Europe and. Uh, uh, the Middle East and the Pacific Rim, the east, co- or the west coast of the U.S. to the Pacific. Oh, looking at the flow of traffic to Hawaii, uh, a lot of stuff going into the uh, Rio de Janeiro, San Jose uh, area of uh, Brazil. Uh, holy cow, we've got a lot of airplanes in there at any given time yeah, of day. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. I like. I do like that representation, but there's a. There's one of those kinds of things that maybe one of the services you just mentioned um, that they show on uh, CNN in the morning. Uh, maybe it's CNN headline, I guess, in the morning, and uh, and it shows a map of the United States. It's, it's like the I don't know. It may even be the weather guy for some reason. All right, but he's he's got this map of the U.S. 
and it shows a map of the U.S. with the airplanes that are supposed to represent all the aircraft that are in the air at that particular moment. But the problem is that air, the symbols for the aircraft are little airplanes that are basically as big as the state of Rhode Island. And and so as a result, it, it looks hugely cluttered. I mean, they're like overlapping, overlapping, overlapping. And it just, it's always kind of bugs me that it gives a wrong view of of how, you know, the situation and it kind of, I don't know. Aggravated right, they could thing. actually be farther apart than they look. Yeah, but like there's space even between if they were all smaller, these. Yeah. Even if they were smaller, it would still be one of those, holy crap, look at all those airplanes. Yeah, look at all those airplanes. Anyways, uh, that is kind of cool. We'll put a link, obviously, in the show notes. People can take a look. So here's a story, and I'm not convinced I'm buying this story, but here's the story. This is from a report in uh, on CNET.com, the... Uh, the technology news uh, website. Yeah, yeah. I, go ahead. Yeah, it says uh, I'm going to read the whole thing, and there's a lot of editorializing in this so-called news story. But it says, if this doesn't scare you, your nerves are granite. It says the other day over the Indian Ocean, the pilots of a Qantas Airbus totally lost control of the plane. It made a rapid ascent and then plunged 8,000 feet. Now, investigators are saying that among the possible causes are a laptop with its wireless switched on, a Bluetooth mouse, or a video game. And it goes on to talk about, oh my gosh, this is so scary, you know. I, you know, I don't is know. Is this the one that happened a couple of the other days? Yeah. 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 30, 40 people? Yeah. Right. Okay. I mean, first of all, the headline says, Bluetooth mouse may have caused plane to fall out of the sky, all right? But then the second paragraph, or the third second paragraph, third paragraph, says uh, that, that they're just listing it as a possible cause. And yeah, of course, it is a possible cause, but uh, uh, something else is going on here. I think it's an, improb- it's an improbable cause. Yeah, and these Airbuses have, you know, they had bad software from the get-go, didn't they, way back in the early days? Yeah, well, it's not so much bad software as... Um, the software is there, and and software, you know, is kind of flying the airplane, and the humans a lot of the time are along for the ride. Um, I, I would like to know a lot more about this particular event. Um, you know, were both crew members present on the flight deck? Um, who, who was who was pilot flying? Uh, was the autopilot engaged? Was it disengaged as the airplane began this ins- this excursion? Um, there's How a close or of- far away is it from the last wake trail that right, could cross right, or, or yeah. be ahead of it? Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff here that is, that um, can be um, informative and and contribute to our knowledge of this episode. A Bluetooth mouse isn't one of them. Yeah, really. No. Uh, Here's another two paragraphs. I don't think there's enough. I don't think there's enough RC strength. I don't there. think there's enough current. Uh, and and you know, uh, the range on a Bluetooth device isn't. Uh, uh, you know, I'm willing to be educated. Uh, you know, I'm sure some of these these device some of these Bluetooth devices like headsets are, you know, a good. You know, maybe ten yard, ten meter range, but a mouse shouldn't have that kind of range. Yeah. Two more sentences well, and, from the you story. You know, maybe. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. 
No, go ahead. I was going to say two more sentences from the story here are, it says, overhead bins were thrown open, human hair was found stuck to the ceiling. Oh, this is Jack speaking, by the way. Ew. All right. Um, <laughs> human hair was found stuck to the ceiling uh, of as those who happened not to be wearing their seatbelts were, were catapulted straight upwards. It is truly possible, the story says, that the pilots only regained control of this terrifying flight when someone switched off their laptop or video game. Well, there's one thing here that, you know, the line says, if this doesn't carry you, your nerves are granite. Having read your contentions and your observations, uh, I have no claims on nerves of granite, but it doesn't scare me. Yeah. 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 Although here's my question. You know, what's the etiquette? What's the, how do you deal with it? I'm on one of these airplanes I'm flying on recently, coming back from San Francisco or whatever. And uh, and I look across the aisle and there's a guy sitting there with his laptop. We're, We're still on the, on the ground. And the time uh-huh. comes and they say, turn off your computers. And he and I watched him, and he simply closed the laptop and put it to sleep. And I could see the light flashing on it, that it was not off. It was not shut down. It was just sleeping. And he just put it into the seat back pocket and got ready to take off. And I'm looking at it going, well, man, that's just not cool. You know, I'm not convinced that's really dangerous, but it is the rule that, you know, what should I do? Do I call it? Call a flight attendant? Well, do I keep my mouth shut? What, what, I... what's, what does the flight attendant specifically say? Okay, do they say, well, turn off your laptop? Yeah. Or do they say, you know, power down your laptop, remove the battery, and put it through a meat grinder? I, yeah, you know, <laughs> um, or they say, I, I, I haven't paid that much attention. Uh, for one, I haven't been on an airline a whole lot lately, too. Um, you ain't missed anything. Yeah, I ain't missed anything. Two, um, unless, you know, it's been a long time since uh, I took a flight of any duration. I needed to pull out a laptop uh, in the middle of it. Um, but anyway, um, I, I Well, and you're allowed to turn the puppies back on in flight. Right. Right. So, uh, and, and, and the only reason that they're uh, um, disabled during takeoff landing and below ten thousand feet is because it's takeoff landing and below ten thousand feet. Um, but that's when it's most likely to become a missile, right, uh, or a lawn dart. Um, but uh, ter- powering it down and just you know, or, or, or uh, not powering it down, but but putting it in hibernation and sl- slipping in the sl- seat pack pocket. Seat back pocket. Uh, Easy for you to say. Yeah, com- you know, complies maybe with the uh, the spirit, but not the letter of of what they what they want to do. It's not your job, though, Jack, to point that out to a flight attendant, which would be the natural uh, um, um, next thing to do. It's not your job. I, I, I yeah. would write a note on the napkin, take it up to hand it to the flight attendant. And say, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. What you do is you, you, you when nobody's looking, you go into the into the bathroom. Yeah, and, and write right on the, the guy in seat. Yada yada. yada. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Is about to Bluetooth sure, us to death. Yeah, you make sure that no one is looking when you leave the restroom. That you've you've left that restroom, and then you just go back to your seat. And cinch down your seatbelt because it's going to be fun. It'll be a rocky ride. <laughs> <laughs> now, here, here's the other thing, though, is from this from this story, and and this, I, you know, I, we, we we might get to a um, a um, forum entry from from one of our favorite forum participants, 
uh, a little bit later tonight. But uh, this is the thing that just gets me is overhead bins were thrown open. Okay. The human hair thing. Um, as those who happened not to be wearing their seat belts were catapulted straight upwards. Uh, okay. Let me see if I can put this succinctly. Um, folks. Where you're in, a, you're in a human mailing tube. Thank it you. is going 450, 500, 550 miles per hour through the air. It is like a, a hooker from Baltimore. There is no visible means of support. It is subject to the whims of. We're going to hear from the hookers in Baltimore. We're going to hear from both of them, yeah. Um, it, it is subject to the, the atmospheric whims it encounters. You will encounter, as a consequence, things called bumps, air pockets, turbulence. And if you are not strapped in, you too will become a projectile moving at 500 miles per hour. So keep your seatbelt on, please. Once ask, once ask a gentleman sitting next to me. Uh, and it had already been a rough day. He came back from the bathroom, and he, <laughs> and he sat down, and he didn't snap up. And, excuse me, you, you know his really seat belt or his, belt. his pants? His seat belt, seat belt, seat belt, seat belt. And excuse me, you know you really ought to put that puppy on. What is? What's it to you? And I thought for a second. I pulled the call button. Excuse me, could I change seats? Flight attendant says, uh, sure, is there a problem? I said, yeah, this guy's suicidal. Uh, and I moved up the seat. Here we go. And, and then she looked right down at him and said, sir, you really ought to fasten your seatbelt. Uh, what's the big deal? Well, if we hit an air pocket, you'll go weightless. you probably get thrown against a sling. You could break your neck or you could break somebody else's neck when you come down on top of them. That's why the gentleman has to change seats. <laughs> yeah. Right. Nine right. miles a minute, folks. Nine miles, eight miles a minute. And if it hits an aeronautical pothole known as wake turbulence or a, uh, a downdraft, uh, then you got hundreds of tons of aircraft going eight miles a minute falling vertically like a stone. So let me let me put it to you in these terms. Look up a company called Zero G. Mm -hmm. Watch what they do in an airplane deliberately to make people float. And then imagine this happening in an uncontrollable, oh, my God, falling to our death manner, where all those happy people floating around the human mailing tube are actually freaking pinned to the overhead waiting for gravity to release them. Yeah. It'll come to you. Yeah. It'll come to you. Yeah, in which I think we just identified the other reason for business and, and private aviation's great popularity, and that is other people. That's true. That's true. Hey, it's not that you don't find stupid people on private airplanes. You just yeah, find a lot fewer of them. That's right, and and they're a lot younger. <laughs> here's a, there are some good stories coming out of out of the airlines, though, and here's a really nice one. Um, this is from a, a posting on in the forums, and uh, yeah. I should tell you guys, I just it, it, the the actual uh, posting that we're interested in here is is almost three quarters of the way down this thread. Um, it's from a listener called J. H. Wellington, 
And he writes about, uh, I'm not going to read this whole thing, it's a fairly long posting, but just a couple of lines here. He says, as incredible as it may sound, I recently had the, a great experience in the, quote, human mailing tube, end quote. He said, I was flying to Las Vegas for a client conference and was fortunate to be upgraded to first class. Since I was so close to the front of the plane and the cockpit door was still open, I could see the pilots going through their pre-flight. I asked the stewardess if I could go up into the cockpit for a chat. She checked with the pilots and I was granted access. And he goes on to describe a, a brief visit that he had uh, uh, at the cockpit door talking to the crew, um, a very nice conversation uh, where he was talking about the fact that he was a GA pilot and these guys had, had never really been GA pilots, were just serious former military and, and, and commercial or, uh, airlines pilots. And the difference between the two, and it apparently was just a very, very nice uh, experience. And but the capper is that uh, a while later uh, they they exchanged email addresses. J. Uh, 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 Wellington and this pilot exchanged email addresses, and he got an email a little bit later on from one of the pilots who wrote him just a wonderful letter. Um, and again, I won't read the whole thing, but he's 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 reproduced it in in the forums. But just the uh, the first paragraph here it says. Uh, he says, I just wanted to extend to you a note of thanks for your business. It's rare that we get to interact with passengers as we did with you in New York, especially someone who has your level of interest in flying. Your enthusiasm as a pilot is so refreshing. It makes me want to count my blessings and remember my earliest joy in starting out as a professional pilot. And he goes on to talk about uh, the differences between being a GA pilot and, a, and an airline pilot. And uh, um, it's just a wonderful letter. And I'm telling you, if, if more of, you know, and I, I guess maybe... If more of our experiences with the airlines were like this guy's experience with this pilot, um, it would be a whole different situation. And and it I, could you know, well be. Yes, being a pilot, I'm probably bi- I, I am biased. Being a pilot, my bias is that I want to think that the pilots are good guys. That for, that 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 to a large extent, the the crews of these aircrafts. Are, are are good folks and and want to do well and it's I don't know whatever it's the bureaucracy it's the whatever that causes there's, there's, it to there's be. no doubt in my mind that most of them there are there because it's what yeah. they want to do they love it yeah because if you look at the pay scales for coming in to be a flight attendant or a pilot coming up through the regionals and on it is not something like it used to be you know 20 years ago and beyond where you could look at that and say wow someday I can be flying four days a month and making a hundred grand a year. Uh, you're looking at, you know, regional first officers that don't make 16 grand. You can do almost as well working chips part time in the college bar. Uh, yeah. You got to go through the training. You got to go through the qualification, particularly the pilots. Uh, so I was going to say the college bar that they love it there too. But go ahead. Well, it is a different kind of training for sure, and it's probably a good one to have to fall back on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just one other thing about J.H. Uh, Wellington's uh, uh, post here on the forum, and specifically the letter from Bill Griffith. Griffith, uh, he, he the the next to last graph in the in the letter from the Delta pilot, Delta captain, mentions the one moose airplane story, and also <laughs> also mentions a, a, a person by the name of John Sternagel. Uh John Sternagel was uh, back in the early 80s, if I can go back that far. He uh, oh, you do. was uh, a ground instructor. He did a ground school for what was then the Congressional Flying Club uh, up on Capitol Hill, where I used to work. Um, and uh, later on, he ended up with AOPA, and I believe AOPA Air Safety Foundation. Uh, I don't know what John is doing nowadays, and I'm, I'm sure he wouldn't remember me. But I just, I just came 
finding his name here in this, uh, I just found very interesting. Now, this this one moose airplane story. Now, isn't that the one where the the bush pilot flies the group of hunters into the lake in Alaska or Canada or something like that, and comes back a week or so later, and you know they've got a moose and and all their gear and everything. They throw it in the airplane, and the airplane starts skipping across the water, trying to take off, trying to take off, trying to take off. Ends up in the tree uh, on the far end of the lake. And the pilot comes, you know, dragging himself out, and he's got all the passengers out and everything like that. And, And the pilot says, look, guys, I told you we wouldn't be able to take off with all that weight and everything in the airplane. And see what see what's happened, and the the two hunters look at each other and say, "Yeah, but um, same thing happened last year. You got fifty yards further than that guy did." Better <laughs> boom. <laughs> I don't know if that's the one moose airplane story or not. Uh, I, I, I want to be. You're in the right. You're in the right ballpark. It so. ends up with a crash farther away than the prior year. Right. Yeah, same. 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 Okay. General same right. Same philosophy. Well, here's the punchline of J.H. Wellington's post uh, in the forums. Um, the uh, the last line, or the the very be- end of the of the letter from pilot uh, uh, airline pilot Bill Griffith says, "Again, thank you for visiting the cockpit, and uh, thank you for your selection of Delta Airlines. We still love to fly. Fly safe, Bill Griffith." Delta Airlines yeah. captain LAX, and here's the real capper: when uh, when J.H. Wellington was visiting the cockpit, um, he actually had a chance to climb in and sit in the left seat. And Griffith snapped a picture of him uh, sitting in the left seat and uh, and included it in the email. And uh, I'll tell you, that's just Isn't like that cool. That's a prize right there that uh, to have a picture yeah, of yourself sitting absolutely. in the left seat. So uh, so it's yeah. not all you know. Before we leave this particular topic, I would like to direct your attention back up to the very top of this particular page, back to Mad Max's original post in this thread. And I think it's one of the funniest things I've read in a long time. Well, why yeah. don't we, we'll, save, we'll, we'll urge people to take a look at that, and maybe we'll even and, elaborate and, and on it. In Mad the Max take a look at the, it and send us yeah. your chuckles. Yeah, Mad, Mad Max is, is one of the people who, who uh, spent a lot of time on the forums, and we're very appreciative. This is, this is uh, uh, one for the books. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we've been saving the best for last here. Uh, I don't Thank know, you know, goodness. And, and you know, we've, we've crashed so many times on Skype tonight that I have no idea how long we've gone so far. But uh, let's see now. It's quarter past eight. Well, we've been, we're a little over an hour right now. Is that? So, um, yeah, we're a little over an hour now. All right. So let's see what we've got here. Um, I guess today or yesterday, the – well, I want to tell this story in a particular way. All right. Here we go. Um, we're crashing. We're crashing. We lose somebody? Well, you you got well, you dropped out. Started you started dropping out. All right. Am I, but you know it's funny though. I I've been able to hear myself fine all night. <laughs> Is everybody hearing everybody okay right now? You know, Jeb, we've always known you hear the voices in your head just fine. That's right. That's right. All right. We can hear you now. All right. So here's the deal. Um, apparently at NBAA, uh, the uh, some representatives of, of TSA, the Transporta- what, Transportation Security Administration, um, met with Stupidity members. Security Administration. Secure, what did I say? All right, yeah. Met with uh, members. You said security. I said stupidity. Oh, yeah, you know, right, okay. you know potato, 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 right. Met with uh, members of the uh, business aviation community to update them on their plans for uh, 
for uh, adding more or better or, or whatever, changing, improving security in the uh, general aviation, uh, particularly something that they were already calling the Large Aircraft Security Program. Um, and apparently, according to the story I read, that meeting kind of was no big deal. Nothing terribly controversial came out of it. And um, <laughs> apparently, like, a day later... Hang on a second. Hang on a second. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, on to the details. Yeah. Go ahead. Move apparently, on. a day later, um, the TSA filed a notice of pr- proposed rulemaking where they uh, elaborated on what they have in mind for the Large Aircraft Security Program, the LASP. And, uh, oh boy, huh? Um, it's uh, It's pretty... It's quite a plan. It's quite a program. Um, let me start this out. Let me start this out with a numeric description. It'd be like getting a letter from your draft board, kiddies. In this case, twelve thousand three hundred and fifty new operators, owners, operators, owner pilots, corporate flight departments are suddenly going to be blessed with the requirement that they take on the same security arrangements as charter and scheduled airlines. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. These are private aircraft, children. Right. Private aircraft. Not not working for hire, not flying strangers, not going out and soliciting business. Uh, this is owners like you and me flying, say, a, a King Air 350, mm-hmm. uh, which is not an uncommon thing. Uh, they, you, you suddenly are going to – and this is going to – this is going to. Where's that line? I want to get it. Wait for it. Wait for it. We're going to make you safer. Yeah. No, we're going to make you more secure. There's. Let's 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 stop right there. Yeah. There is a fundamental difference and a distinction between safety and security. Yeah. And I've I've heard people uh, who should know better and people who don't know better for the last seven and a half years, mix the two up, and it makes me freaking crazy. Okay, so then I, let me I, not I, Dave, I know you know better, but that's, that's, that's just something the transportation, that I want to read this right out of the top of the summary of the NPRM. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. The, I, I, transportation, the go transportation ahead. Security Administration proposes to amend current aviation transportation security regulations to enhance the security of general aviation by expanding the scope of current requirements, and this is my ad, for public for-hire aircraft, close the paren, and by adding new requirements for certain large aircraft operators and airports serving those aircraft, which means that not only could all these private operators, individuals, and, and, and private flight departments be subject to it, but the airports that they serve could be dragged into having to add a whole new layer of security and special <laughs> systems yeah. because they happen to let you base your aircraft there. Right. David, mm-hmm. let me pick up where you left off because I think this summary is kind of interesting. I think it kind of wrap, rolls up at least some part of it here. Uh, picking up where you left off in this summary at the beginning of the NPRM, TSA is proposing to require that all aircraft operations, including corporate and private operations with aircraft with a maximum certificated takeoff weight above 12,500 pounds, quote-unquote large aircraft, adopt a large aircraft security program, LASP. 
this security program would be based on the current security program that applies to operators providing scheduled or charter service. TSA also proposes to require large aircraft operators to contract with TSA-approved auditors to conduct audits of the operator's compliance with their security programs and with TSA-approved watch list service providers to verify that their passengers are not on the no-fly and or selectee portion of the consolidated terrorist watch list maintained by the federal government. This proposed rule describes the process and criteria under which these auditors and companies that perform watch list matching would be would obtain okay. TSA approval. Um, it, it's just stop, stop. Here, yeah. here, here's the here's the here's the deal breaker. I'm I'm just reading through some of the fine print here in this reg in this proposed reg. Here's the deal breaker of all deal breakers. Everybody knows what a federal air marshal is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, looking, if I'm reading this correctly, um, there would be a requirement to transport federal air marshals imposed on Part 91 operators. That's that's the top of the list of the egregiousness of this. That's okay. Let's start at the bottom of the list right. of egregiousness here. An owner pilot. An owner pilot, mm -hmm. let alone somebody that's been hired by a corporation that individually owns the airplane, only flies their own freaking people. Mm -hmm. An owner pilot like you and me that happens to own an aircraft over this threshold, which is not a lot of us, but it's enough of us, yeah. is going to have to have himself fingerprinted. Is going to have to have himself reviewed through a criminal background check. If he wants to take brother, sister-in-law, wife, mom and the kitties along on a Thanksgiving, Christmas, holiday vacation, or just to go see squirrels on ice, he's going to have to clear all those individual names with the terrorist watch list. Exactly. He's required to send a flight manifest to an approved vendor for watch list matching of passengers. Now, it's, stand right in here. The government is proposing to not only impose all this on us, but also proposing to make us pay for all of it I wonder by creating a new level of contractors, a new level of business to which we will be required to pay money to stay legal. Mm -hmm. And they get to approve who we pay our money to. Um, to as, uh, as you would expect, the, 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 uh, the end of the bonkersness of this is just breathtaking. It is. As you it would expect, is. the aviation alphabet organizations are already checking in um, and expressing their their feelings on this. Uh, my favorite, the one of the ones I've seen so far, is the one from Gamma. Um, I just think this is just the wonder, most wonderfully tactful. Here, so, uh, two paragraphs. <laughs> it uh, it is, is the most wonderfully tactful. This is from Gamma President and CEO Pete Bunce. I think is how you pronounce his name. He says the security That's of correct. the U.S. and global aviation systems is of utmost importance to the general aviation industry. Therefore, we appreciate that the TSA has undertaken a rulemaking process which will allow for comment from the members of our industry. Gamma will be reviewing this NPRM to ensure that it addresses potential security risks with methods of compliance that do not restrict the utility of general aviation aircraft. Measured against this standard, our initial read of the NPRM concerns us in that some very burdensome requirements may not provide commensurate security benefits to an already safe and secure industry. And uh, so Thank guess, you. that's yeah. I mean, that kind of sums it up, right? You know, it's like that, yeah. and that's really the issue that's, here is, is that is that th these are reg these are these these are procedures that are addressing a non-problem, and exactly. even if there was a problem, 
TSA has a track record that they might not work anyways. You know, it's just exactly. Uh, it's exactly. Just, it's it's well, here's the, <sighs> go ahead. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that's troubling to me at the at the very highest level. Uh, first, to to my knowledge, you can rent a truck of comparable capacity without a fingerprinting and a black exactly background right. check. Exactly right. Uh, and until September 11, 2001. The worst act of terrorism on American soil was domestic by a uh, ex-military man with a rider truck. Mm-hmm. Second, uh, this is imposing a condition, a government condition on your access to the airspace uh, that's completely counter. Yeah to any any precedent we've ever had or ever seen and last there is nothing about this that says that we won't come back later and decide that expanding this blessing to others of lighter weights will also serve to and I want to find a quote here because I don't want to screw it up will also serve to enhance the security of general aviation by expanding the scope of current regulations and by adding new requirements for certain aircraft and airports serving Mm -hmm. those aircraft. It doesn't take but the elimination of a couple of words here and there, and pretty soon we're down to with the poor light sport pilot now saying, you know, uh, wow, I didn't really know that I, I, I had to turn myself into the terrorist watch list every freaking time I wanted to fly. Mm-hmm. AOPA yeah, checked in. It's, AOPA's checked in. AOPA said, had, uh, had probably the best. Uh, Gamma's response, Gamma's press release was um, restrained. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, read the quote from but, AOPA. Um, but AOPA uh, responded also today saying, quote, this proposed rule is an unprecedented imposition of security requirements, I wish they'd use the word theater, of security requirements on the general aviation community affecting 10,000 individual operators and hundreds of airports, said Andy Sabula, AOPA Executive Vice President of Government Affairs. An overwhelming majority of our members surveyed last week expressed strong concerns about the proposal. Yeah, uh, it was a strong letter to follow also, I'm sure. So, um, I think we've this made our proposed point rule includes, yeah. you know, this proposed rule includes a number of initiatives: flight crew member criminal history records checks, watch list matching of passenger manifest, biennial third-party audits of each aircraft operator, and new airport sec- new airport security requirements. Thank you. That could be that problematic means, for general aviation. That, that means, means the way that they it, even explained it themselves, that means that if your airport has a runway length and weight rating sufficient to handle even an occasional visit uh-huh. by a charter, commercial, or private aircraft in this weight limit, that you are subject to their new interpretation okay. of the security requirements that they want to they want to implement. Years ago, in, a, in another life, um, I happened to, to uh, uh, be something of a lobbyist for uh, a general aviation organization, and this happened to be shortly after uh, 9-11-01. And uh, we were up on the hill dealing with this nonsense uh, uh, with great regularity. Um, there was a senator um, 
I won't name him this particular episode. I'll chew on that one for a minute, but uh, for for a week or so, there was a senator who wanted basically to apply airline style security to every aircraft that moved. Yeah, um, as long as if it had an N in front of its registration number, or if it flew in the United States airspace, it would have to subject itself to airline style security, and. We weren't talking just twelve five and above. We were talking everything. Everything, yeah. And so I asked him, I said, you know, let me ask you a question. I said, uh, I understand what you mean. Every When you say everything, you mean everything. He said, yes, sir. I said, well, what about a float plane loading a fishing party from a river or a lake in Alaska? Well, that would be, you know, that's everything. Well, how are you going to do that? How are you going to do that from some guy's back, you know, 40-acre 40, 40 field? Um, he's not required, you know, to, to have an airport. He's not required to tell anybody he's taken off. Really? And it just went downhill from there. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that particular uh, uh, proposal uh, fell by the wayside. The senator is, is still in office. Um, but um, all, that, all that is to say that um, the craziness that we saw uh, back then is still alive and well. And um, this is, uh, thankfully enough, we have an election uh, season coming up here uh, and an election um, that uh, will afford us all a little bit of an opportunity to express ourselves. And uh, because of the timing of this proposal, coming as it does during an election cycle, hopefully there will be uh, a few more pilots than normal who are politically aware or aware of these kinds of proposals and will express themselves. Yeah. And, and uh, here's, in the meantime, here's a recommendation coming out of us for the evening, folks. Yep. Is we'll have a link to the actual proposal. Oh, yes. And you read through it very carefully. Uh, you know, you, you, you find a part that you know specifically doesn't apply to us, let us know. But otherwise, read through it, and everywhere you come to 12.5 and above... Imagine the substitution of any aircraft. Yeah. Well, and then, just just back file up your there. comments. You file your comments very calmly, rationally. Back up about there. the impracticality of it, the imposition, the unprecedented intrusion into private life. Uh, keep it polite. Keep it on point, and put it on the docket because this is like the user fee fight. We can't have too many voices on record pointing out the insanity of this. Yeah. This, the way they've described this, it's large aircraft operator. Okay. And what they've done is they've, they've accepted the FAA's definition of a large aircraft, and that is an aircraft weighing more than 12,500 pounds. Um, that's a King Air uh, 300 and up. It's, it's, uh, uh, a lot of, of uh, citations that are single pilot qualified, single pilot certified. Correct. Um, it's uh, a, you know a DC three. It's yeah. a, it's a lot of aircraft out there that are personally owned and operated. Now, admittedly, you know I don't have the scratch to do that. Oh my God! Think about this: Stephen Force's dual checkout. Right in the DC three. Right. Not only is he going to have to, right. you know, be filed and checked against the terrorist watch right. list, he's going to have to be fr- fingerprinted and background checked, just 
to get a second in command rating because right. he's going to be time he's in the controls. Right. These people are smoking something that's absolutely beyond anything we ever saw in the yeah. 60s. This is this is not something that needs to be beaten. This is something that needs to be beaten badly, yeah. soundly, yeah. and once and for all so that it goes away. Yeah. So as Dave said, um, I think that's that's the the, the, the short-term thing to do here is to uh, familiarize yourself with this uh, proposed rule, and uh, and then file a comment. Um, file a you know, and as we've said before, um, anybody can file a comment, uh, and uh, you know, keep it respectful, keep it, uh, um, you know, uh, on I don't know how to you know. I wouldn't I wouldn't even bother. You know, this kind of I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, this kind of nonsense. In, um, um, in which this is, in my mind, um, has to be dealt with um, in, in the same fashion in which it was developed. And okay. it was developed in a vacuum. It was developed by people who don't know what they're saying and don't know what they're doing and really shouldn't, um, um, shouldn't be employed in, in, the, in the positions they're in any longer, if they're going to come out with this. So this should be ridiculed. It should be um, 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 Damn, disposed you of. Tell me, and I've been trying to be so calm. I know. I know. No, it, should, it, should, it should be ridiculed. It should be the subject of derision. It should be um, uh, mocked for the, the, the nonsense that it is. Yeah. Period. Well, in, in which case, well, whatever, we'll do better mocking it in 104, folks. We'll do a much better job of mocking whatever, it in 104. Whatever everyone's individual oh, reaction sure, to this I'm, thing is. I'm sure we just lost half our audience, Dave, for 104. Whatever your reaction to this thing is, you should make your feelings known, file a comment, uh, send some email to your elected representatives, uh, whatever. But uh, this is another one of those things where I think we need to get out there and uh, and fight back because this is a bad thing. If this could, I, I, anything yeah, like this, this one needs in place, to be drowned. This yeah. needs to be drowned like the runt. This yeah. needs to be drowned like the runt piglet in a litter. What else do we got to talk about tonight? Are we out of time yet? No, I think we're I done. Think we're I think time. we're done. Shoutouts. Anybody got any shoutouts here they want to throw in before we? Uh, um, I want to congratulate congratulate folks at Lee Bottom Airport uh, near Hanover, Indiana, down there in the on the floodland, the Ohio River. Uh, I hear from uh, a firsthand participant that they had an extraordinary turnout for their antique wings and wheels dealie uh, a couple of weekends ago in uh, in uh, September. Uh, over four hundred airplanes. Uh, Great time, I was told. Uh, congratulations, because you guys are keeping a, a, a nice little airport alive, and you're keeping it on the map, and events like that just help, uh, you know, cement the legend and make it even more uh, uh, worthwhile to visit. So, way to go, folks. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Jeb, you got anything for us? Uh, I, I, not a thing. I shot my wad on that last episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, let's stick a fork in this one here. Uh, first of all, by saying thanks to uh, listener uh, Scoffrigette uh, for continuing to create yeah. great show notes. He's just doing a terrific job. Yeah. They're, they're better than ever. Um, he just he not only takes the, the straightforward links that, that uh, we work from, but he goes out and discovers some other ones. And We also want to thank uh, uh, many of our listeners, and particularly uh, listener Mike Morgan, uh, who have created the various disclaimer clips that we've been using over time. Uh, They're just a lot of fun. Mike has created like a total of seven of them, though, Um, some of them very straightforward and some of them in the more fun voices like the televangelist and the political convention and and the the Indian yogi. Um, They're all a lot of fun. Mike, Mike, just love it to death, man. Just love it to death. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Thanks. 
And Jeb Birdside is an aviation journalist. He's currently serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. You can learn more about Jeb at jebburnside.com, aviationsafetymagazine.com, and avweb.com. Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer. He's a senior editor for Kit Planes Magazine, and he's the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. Learn more about Dave and his work at kitplanes.com or avbuyer.com slash worldaircraftsales. And finally, I am Jack Hodgson. I am a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can learn more about me and my work at jackhodgson.com or aroundthefield.net. And visit us all at the uncontrolledairspace.com website, where you can check out the wiki, the great show notes, uh, the, the new the blog that's been revived, um, the forums. It's just a lot of a lot of good stuff there. So uh, we'd love to have you visit us there as well. You love what you guys are doing in the forums. Way to go! Keep yeah, it up. And keep it up. That's right. Yeah. David, something you wanted to say to us? Just want to say, live longer, go fly, because time sent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. I actually gained, count this, I gained almost nine hours of lifespan just in the last few days. <laughs> okay, well, that's enough but talking. Let's go flying. I gotta, I'm, that, that's going to keep me up at life. <laughs> <laughs>